Welcome to Junior to Senior, the podcast for ambitious devs who want to take their career to the next level. I'm your host, David Gutman. Today, I'm joined by Dan Shaw. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here. So for folks who are just meeting you for the first time, what can you tell us about yourself? My goodness. Uh, so Node.js person, you know, it's kind of the, the, the big one. Uh, I spent the last decade working in the Node.js community, commercializing the Node.js community, and most notably bringing Node.js, this kind of freewheeling, feral community of JavaScript developers into the enterprise. So, you know, kind of a, a, a crazy uh, journey there. I you know, founded a, a couple companies, one of the first uh, consulting companies in the Node.js space called the Node Firm. And then uh, after that, founded NodeSource, which is a product-oriented company to, to help folks use Node at, at scale. You know, before that, you know, deep in the open web and, you know, my general trajectory is, you know, open source and community with, you know, kind of the cherry on top being, you know, focus on standards and how we, you know, realize the, the eventual utility of, you know, everything that we're creating. We can create greater alignment than, you know, we have incredible things like the World Wide Web that have revolutionized how we are able to connect and compute and uh, interact. And, you know, all of that is largely free and empowers the world economy. Pretty amazing. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, so so you and I, of course, we met a good number of years ago, I think, mm -hmm. at, at NodeConf. Uh, that is that has definitely been been one of your core areas, mm -hmm. I think, for the for the last couple of years. I think people refer to you as the godfather of Node. Certainly, uh, this is not our first first podcast together. Right uh, you had me on uh, NodeUp, which uh, you ran for for a long time as well, being a little bit the the, the voice of Node. So it is awesome to have you show. And yeah, so so of course, like throughout all of this, you have worked side by side real closely with, I think, some of the you know most impressive developers that that I've known through Node.js. Yeah, what what can you tell us a little bit about you know working with people who you consider to be really senior, get a lot done? Like, what are some of those attributes that you you recognize? In so one of the biggest and most remarkable things about a senior developer is the level of focus that they have on a, a particular problem set. Um, you know, Ryan Dahl, for example, the creator of Node.js, uh, you know, was working on uh, the Merb platform, kind of the, the uh, uh, alternative to Ruby on, on Rails uh, back in the day. And he was frustrated with the performance of that platform. And like, he was so like into this particular problem set that he went off through in the middle of nowhere and <laughs> isolated himself from the world so he could focus on this problem better. And like then Node.js was kind of the, the byproduct of that. And you know he's gone on to continue to do that with TensorFlow. And then now you know, came back and he's working on Dino. So, you know, the more senior, you know, a person gets, the more, you know, I've seen just that, you know, folks really find that their lane and, you know, uh, dig deep into to problems that they really love solving. Yeah. So did you see that too? At like, so at NodeSource, I think also some worked alongside some really impressive people at NodeSource. Did you see a similar pattern with people Absolutely. or did you see other 
other traits that also work well? Yeah, I mean, th there there are some folks that uh, are definitely generalists, uh, but uh, you know, if you you know go and and, and pick your, your your big brand names, you know, like Trevor Norris, you know, just a speed freak, uh, that loves optimizing the heck out of anything, and you know, as as his manager, you know, that that becomes uh, an interesting challenge because not all problems are speed problems. Right when when Trevor and I uh, went into Netflix to help the the team there understand how to use Node, you know, there we 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 had to you know strike a, a good balance because the the team at Netflix loves performance, but you know not all of their challenges were performance problems. So you know I was able to sort of take some of the you know organizational you know at the time they were you know almost exclusively like one of the, the, the uh, a Java shop. And, and you know one of the the best known Java shops. So you know this uh, you know new group of, of, of front enders that we're trying to bring in Node. Uh, you know we're grappling with you know cultural challenges and, and uh, you know pressure from you know some of the the world's leading experts in you know Java the JVM and you know they had to respond to you know those needs. So you know I was able to take some of the you know that organizational and cultural shift uh, and. And then throwing Trevor in the midst of a bunch of engineers that really geek out on performance <laughs> is like lighting a match uh, in gasoline. And you know, from there, the, that that team just took off, and uh, you know, really was able to transform you know Netflix from an exclusively Java shop into a Java and JavaScript on on the front end world leader. Yeah, and so okay, so so talking a little bit more about Node Source, I mean, I'm sure you definitely had a lot of people come in and working with a lot of this leader Node, mm -hmm. really pushing the boundaries. What was that? What was that onboarding like? Like get junior developers have a way of helping grow did you see any of that or any so you know node source the you know the space for junior developers was fairly limited in part because part of what both the node firm and uh, node source were created by me to do is provide opportunities for this sort of top tier developer to continue to work on node and you know one of the, the the really interesting challenges that I'd have with with folks reaching out to to get in, involved in Node Source is they wanted to build things with Node, but that's not what we did. Like we were uh, essentially building things in Node and on Node, and uh, you know most of our developers were Node.js core developers. So it really wasn't until several years on when. You know, we began to have more sort of standard webby components where we had dashboards and stuff like that where you know more junior folks could come in but even then I would say our juniors were kind of mid-tier or fairly evolved in their their technology journey but being in an environment of experts that is welcoming is like this primordial soup of just awesomeness. And, <laughs> you know, seeing a mid-tier developer uh, level up because they're surrounded by experts, uh, that was incredible. So, like, I, I wish that, that that sort of, you know, mountain got, got a little bit higher and we could uh, then start feeding in more juniors. But where, where I saw the, the advantages really shine 
is you know mid tier to to senior where folks just just skyrocketed being in that environment. Yeah, so you brought up something pretty interesting. I've often heard the distinction between platform engineer or like an mm. application. So it sounds like there's almost this connection. If you're if you're working on the platform and this foundation lower levels, there's mm-hmm. would you say that there's less room for junior? Oof. Uh, in, in Node.js's case, you know, the limiting factors is language proficiency, not necessarily junior or senior. So Node, and when we're developing in Node, primarily developing in JavaScript. And the the edge APIs of Node.js are all JavaScript APIs internally and externally. But the real work in building a platform that is basically extending Node.js is in the the underlying runtime. And that's all written in C++. And then a lot of the, the other capabilities that we get in you know Node.js as a platform come from you know the, the V8 runtime. And again, that's C. So you know, I wouldn't necessarily say that that there's that there wouldn't be utility and value for a junior C developer uh, exploring uh, Node.js that but you know it's it's just you know, a, a lot rarer these days to find you know kind of entry level uh, C developers. So yeah, I, I do think there's there's something there in terms of seniors, uh, senior, more senior developers being involved in platforms because ultimately it's pl- a platform is a focus on a specific area, right? You've built the wheel so many times that you can begin to articulate what a wheel factory is and you know help understand how to do that repeatedly and also you like that thing enough to keep on solving that particular problem if if you don't love building the platform and and you want to work more closer to you know user experience and user interaction then you're going to get frustrated with platform dev because you never get to take that last mile journey if you go and talk to you know node.js core developers uh, about application development problems in Node.js, you know, sometimes they just don't know what you're talking about because that's not where they're spending their time. They only kind of deal with the repercussions of, you know, when something, you know, goes wrong or when something needs to be improved based on other folks' experience. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I I, I do think it's interesting. I like the metaphor of wheel factory, right? (laughs) You know, if you haven't, if you haven't, built a lot of wheels probably doesn't make sense to jump into fact that, mm-hmm. that does. so okay so like when let's look at when you would be putting together these teams or like if you were hiring or maybe just what you would look for in developers what are the traits that you look for is it something like you're trying to find something like the ryan dolls going off into a cave and back with <laughs> with something amazing or is it something like trevor norris where you just want somebody who is like ruthlessly interested in in performance or like are there other other traits that are important when looking for developers right i i think that you know the, the most important framing here is the concept of team and when you're building a team you need a mix of specialists and generalists and you know to, to really build things out so uh you know if you have a particular set of problems that are you know really deep 
and you know require specialization. You know, you're you're going to you know need some Trevor Norris's that that uh, have that level of focus. But if you have sort of general tasks that needs to get done, and you try to hand that to Trevor, your ultra specialist, he's gonna you know be insanely bored, and uh, eventually he's gonna leave your team, right? If you if you stack up all the the uh, the work that he's doing, and and I experienced this in my career. You know, when, when, when I want in as a specialist, if, if all your, your tasks are, you know, rudimentary tasks, you're going to go find, uh, you know, things that, that, you know, really, uh, allow you to, to sink your teeth into. So at NodeSource, I had, uh, several years of, of startup experience under my belt, uh, and, you know, experience, uh, you know, working in, in this, you know, amazing emerging community of Node.js with a bunch of, of really incredible experts. But, you know, one of the sort of counterbalance to all this focus and all this intensity that you get from some of these kind of senior to, to principal level developers is you know, some of them are really toxic. And <laughs> you know that, that focus becomes super egotistical and it becomes sort of put on a pedestal and you know knocking other folks around you. Uh, so one of the things that I uh, I started you know fairly on early on in, in hiring you know these experts is you know I was like all right building this this opportunity to to you know have these these folks on the team how do you keep a, a level of team cohesion in in that and the thing that I was able to leverage there was uh, an, an empathy test basically and you know. And, and, having an empathy test that other people can leverage as an as an empath uh, is really hard and so i iterated a bunch of times over like all right how do i communicate what i'm able to sense to to other folks and make this a generalization uh, and you know what i came up with was looking for folks that had a sincere desire to help others and that quality is oftentimes what I hear in the idealized version of you know what a senior developer should be. Not always is, uh, but should be. Is a senior developer is an, an individual in your organization that's able to not only you know deliver their own work, but they make other people's work better. And so by by having folks that were not only interested in in their own excellence, but you know were able to teach others and, and uh, support others and, you know, be a counterbalance to other folks. And, you know, the hardest of all, uh, you know, when you're an expert is, you know, knowing what you don't know. It's, you know, kind of the, 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 the reverse point of, of, you know, the depths of Dunning-Kruger where <laughs> you, you, you begin to know a lot of things, uh, but then you, you, you get into sort of this rare air of like Elon Musky, like I know all the things. No, you don't. Like you, you become an expert in, you know, a small vertical. And like you're probably really ignorant uh, since you focus so much of your time uh, on you know that 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 vertical that you you've excelled in in other areas and so having the humility to you know admit what you don't know and seek out help when you you aren't able to satisfy the needs of the team that is for me what makes a healthy team and uh you know that that takes uh you know uh, that takes a certain um you know basic skill set or uh, you know, empathy that 
uh, I found that it can be really hard to train up in folks. You can yeah. train technical skill, but training empathetic skill, in my experience, it, it comes mostly through life pain. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I'm not that cruel to be able to like go Got and it. inflict uh, that pain on, on uh, so like I've never you know, made that particular choice. So that one, I choose to, you know, sort of try to partner with folks that have a good baseline, that are willing to learn and then, you know, build on that. And then, you know, the rest of the technical skill, you know, that that's really just time under fire and the opportunity to make enough mistakes. Got it. Yeah. So empathy, I think that's such a good word for this in a, in a recent interview with Carter Rabasa, that, mm-hmm. that definitely Love came Carter. up. And I think what's so interesting about that is that it sounds so touchy feely. It sounds <laughs> warm and fuzzy. And what does that have to do with software engineering? Software mm-hmm. engineering mm-hmm. is there are right answers. It's all logic. Why do we care about empathy and why do we care about feelings? And wait, you know, are I, you a junior engineer? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and, and so you know, I think I think that just might be a common a common reaction to like what why is empathy useful in the career of a software engineer? And I think the truth is what one of the things that you touched on about like what's the you know senior and junior engineer is that and this this also actually has to do a little bit with like the wheels and the wheel factor. If you're a senior engineer, you're going to be expect to understand how people are going to use your tool. And also you're you're going to be up that ladder of abstraction where you are probably going to be required to write tools that other developers are going to. You're going to be setting up the patterns, if not the actual libraries and tools themselves that other developers on your team are going to be expected. And if Absolutely. you don't have that, if you don't have that empathy, to really step outside yourself and see these things through other eyes, they're not going to be successful, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if you, you know, it's like if you're responsible for, for not to put too fine a point on it, but if you're responsible for making shoes for all your other teammates and all mm-hmm. you do is have perfectly custom molded shoes to your foot and then you right. hand them out <laughs> to everyone else, like that's not going to... That's not going to go well. And in some ways, I think that is what happened. You have a developer with with very little empathy. It's like, what? No, everybody's feet are exactly like mine. So if, you know, the shoes fit me, they should fit everyone else. Why why not? Um, Whereas, you know, an empathetic developer really takes the time to to invest in vacation and invest really trying to look at things from other people's perspective. And they can be much more effective because the, the goal is like you said, it's really to make other people excel. Right. It's one thing to be the rock star, ninja, pirate, whatever that <laughs> right, that, right. Uh, that can do everything themselves, but that doesn't that doesn't really scale. It's like what there's that that saying. It's like if you want to go fast, you know, go alone. Go far, go together. And you know, oftentimes it's not just these like small sprints, but it is really trying to, the team, the organization affected and that goes way beyond just a single person so i think empathy is probably one of the most important skills trying to and one of the things that i talk about too is that in situations where it's like an interview or you're working the manager you know having that perspective what is required to make that other person like that other human life better and if can't do that you are going to wind up you know often presenting yourself incorrectly 
And what I mean by that is, let's just pretend that there's a hiring there, right? So he's he's looking for somebody or she's looking for somebody on that to fill a particular, right? Maybe they're really looking for, dipping into metaphor, a a screwdriver. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, they've got these Phillips head screws all over the place and they really need a screw. And what can happen is if you don't have that empathy, don't have the communication skills, really draw that out quickly, you just might have a hunch or you might just assume because you're like an awesome hammer that what they're looking for is a hammer. And so you're going to be talking about how awesome you are with nails and how, you know, much force you can hit a nail with and all of these things. And that's just not really going to translate into getting mm-hmm. a job offer. Right. Whereas a little bit of investment up front to figure out like, oh, what they're really looking for is a screwdriver. And you know what? I can be a pretty good screwdriver. Like I'm a hammer, but you know, these little like <laughs> exposing my ignorance of tools, but the, <laughs> you know, like the, like the little, the you know, falls apart. yeah, totally. It's like, the, all right, there's the hard part that you hit the nail, but then like the other side where you like can pry up the nail, you know, that could totally fit into a screw and it'd be a pretty crappy screwdriver, but it could work, you know? And so like, if you could just start talking about instead of hitting nails, you could be like, yeah, no, I could totally unscrew these screws and all of that thing. All right, metaphor is totally getting strained. But <laughs> the whole point is that maybe, you know, if you are a multi-tool, knowing what aspect they're looking for and really speaking their language as opposed to just assuming and going hard on something that they may not. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. You know, the media and in storytelling, we love to simplify stories and kind of just highlight, you know, an individual journey. And as a junior developer, we often find ourselves in environments that really, you know, reinforce a solo journey. Because when you're when you're freelancing or when you're just getting started, you may be the, the only tech person on the team, you know, where you get hired in. So, you know, there, there's a lot of you know reinforcing factors that can sort of you know lead to sort of thinking that it's just you and only you need to get better. But you know, when you begin to get that opportunity to you know work with your peers, that's when your need for your communication skills and your ability to you know really uh, grow and produce shifts from you know your individual techno- technical output and prowess to your ability to communicate and listen you know really being able to to listen you know my goodness in you know solving a hard problem you know having a, a room full of just hyper focused engineers you know you get this uh, dynamic of everyone wanted to jump in with their solution but so much of what really helps you get to solving a problem is really understanding the problem then you can choose so many of the things that you don't want to do or why you shouldn't do it. And then, you know, you're kind of chiseling away until you have, you know, the David at the center of, of, of what you're building and, you know, kind of throwing the Michelangelo metaphor there. Um, so <laughs> you, like, were, you weren't talking about me. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the big shift from, you know, a junior to, to senior engineer is, you know, junior is going to uh, go in guns blazing and, you know, really get excited about opportunities and focusing on, you know, the 
a right solution. And you know, more senior developer is going to be able to sort of strip away many of those opportunities and begin to focus on things that that you know you shouldn't be doing. Uh, and really explore the much smaller space of where can you move things forward. And you know, most of all, when you're you're building you know, products or platforms, you know, you need to be building not the right perfect solution, but you need to build be building the right experience that takes the existing users from where they are today to where they need to be tomorrow. And, you know, the thing that someone with, with you know, less experience, less opportunity to, to really, you know, burn their fingers and, and make those, you know, really great learning mistakes is they won't have taken the system online, offline. Um, hmm. One of my, you know, most exciting uh, work experience was early at my time at, at Voxer, where the CTO uh, had just gotten on a plane and sent me a small patch to our system and uh, asked me to, to ship it. And I was like, okay, awesome opportunity. Thank you, CTO. Uh, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I assumed that this is, you know, coming from the CTO, he tested it and, you know, it was ready to go, right? Uh, our top technical boss had, had given me this uh, amazing opportunity and I had just learned to deploy. And so, you know, there it was ready to go. And I had the skill to deploy and uh, I paired the patch and, you know, rolled it out to all of our users right at our, our peak uh, time of day. So, you know, we had this, you know, sinusoidal you know, wave of usage and we were, you know, right, right at our peak at a million concurrent users. The graph on the wall, amazing. And I deployed Every connection dropped. The entire system went dead for uh, minutes. And then I learned what I didn't know, which I didn't know how to roll back. If I learned how to deploy, uh, I had no clue how to take this back to uh, a system of health. So I'm running around uh, in a panic trying to you know the, the head of engineering was in a meeting so I'm just screaming but I thought and... I thought that's where you just like left the building and, and you used to have a different you used to have a different name your name not you didn't used to be Dan Shaw right you just left the country burn it all down right? <laughs> No, no. Uh, yeah, this this is you know turned out to be an, an incredible life. You know, I was, I was able to find a, a, an engineer that you know rolled everything back. Thankfully, you know, we had our, our systems signed well enough that that a rollback was relatively easy. But I didn't know how, so uh, I was missing a a key component of the of the, of the life cycle. Uh, you know, I knew how to change things. I didn't know how to unchange things or, or uh, you know, bring the user state you know, back to stability. And, you know, the other learning from that is, you know, my goodness, no matter who or how prestigious the individual, you have as, uh, you know, a team member, a responsibility to test and validate that code. So I should have tested first and, and made sure that, that, that things were working as expected. I could have avoided bringing the, the system down uh, entirely by, by testing it. And, uh, you know, I should have before I, you know, went in as uh, a team member taking responsibility for deploying code uh, to production. 
I should have asked first, like, what do I do if things go wrong and been prepared to deal with that if if I was taking that response? Yeah. So do you think that that was like a lack of foresight or just like an optimism that there weren't any risks there or trust? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Blind Mm -hmm. trust in the senior. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, a little bit more than than a junior then, but working with a group of folks that were rocket scientists. So, you know, I assume that, you know, that person and and that person with top title knew better than I did. Uh, And because that person perceived as knowing better than I did, I took the, the stance of not needing to know. And, you know, that, that in my experience is, is never a healthy stance. You, you, you always, you know, need to you know, know as much as you can. And I, uh, I, I think the, as, mu- as much as we can have the opportunity to actually make those mistakes, that's how you grow. Like, I wouldn't trade anything. You were saying, like, leave the building. No way. Like, stay there, <laughs> learn that thing, because you're going to level up. Uh, you know, two levels that day. If you, you know, go from, holy shit, I, excuse me, you go from, I'm going to take this thing and uh, go beyond my current skill set and try it, but you fail, that lesson has stuck with me and has been an asset throughout my career from that day on. Yeah, I think, I think there's a, there's like a story, uh, God, I can't remember the details, but it's something, it's something along lines of like in finance, like someone, you know, a junior associate or something makes some trade, loses, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars, something mm. like that. And he's got to, you know, tell his boss, oh, yeah, I totally understand it. going to fire me. And then the boss is like, fire you. I just spent a couple hundred thousand dollars training you. Like, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> right on. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like uh like one of the things that, that that I wanted to get your opinion on, you've been super integrated into a lot of these open source projects, Node.js in particular, with respect to to communication on some some project like that that requires so much coordination, so much asynchronous, like like what kind of lessons would someone be able to take from the communication required to make those projects successful? Oof. So, um you don't know what you don't know and that as a community leader, uh, one of the hardest things to continue to iterate on is, you know, not uh, circling the wagons in the echo chamber. So you eventually uh, will build a team of folks that really, you know, you, you get really comfortable working with. Uh, but in open source, uh, one of the, the main things that you need to protect against is sort of getting too isolated in uh, that group. Uh, and one of the sort of MOs of, of Node.js is always be inviting. So you know, that, that gave us you know, one of the, the key tools to ensure that we're always keeping the, the edge and the on-ramp into the project extremely accessible. So enabling folks to, and celebrating folks that are coming in and you know, learning. And even if they're not you know, world-renowned or whatever, like, that's not the important thing. It's uh, you know that person's contribution, and you know you know you, you if uh, they're not there yet, you won't land the patch. But you know supporting the the individual where they're at, and you know helping them you know find the ways that they can contribute from where they're they they are today is 
the most effective way that I've found to, to build a durable community. Yeah. And I think some of those points that you made also apply to internal organizations that aren't mm -hmm. massive stripped open as well. Dan, this has been great. Uh, so where can people find out more about you online? So yeah, I've been, you know, as I mentioned at the top, you know, working on this evolution of how, how do we go from open standards, uh, open source to, to open standards. And I spent the last decade, uh, you know, really doing as much as I can around Node and commercializing that. And now I've, I've taken that lens of, you know, working on standardization and applied it to how we're building applications. And fortunately, when you're building an application, especially in you know, our, our current reality where you, you don't have just a, a web experience or, or just a mobile experience, you're building omni-channel digital experience, blah, blah, blah. And in order to build those, you need functional services that you have to rely on like identity, like logging, audit, billing, those components are essential to, you know, the final product, but are rarely the thing that your uh, secret sauce is, is built on. So uh, I'm, I'm working with a good friend of mine, Ahmed Nasri, doing something that we call solving solve problems. And uh, we're doing it through uh, a, a kind of a novel approach at, you know, leveraging iterative standards where, you know, we're really focusing on building a simple, easy to integrate standardized solution for, uh, we're going to start with identity. So identity as a service and started cycling through that and, and, and iterating, making sure and scaling the impact of a standard approach uh, across all of our customer base. And uh, uh, you know, we're calling it Core, uh, C-O-R. Uh, you can find us on the web at core.dev. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're just getting started. It's, uh, a lot of fun and, uh, it's a, it's a interesting pivot from all these years where I've been kind of in the leading edge of innovating on the, on the platform level and, and helping folks you know, understand uh, what's going on in the, their new sort of digital dynamic. We're kind of looking back and figuring out the, the, the ways that we can accelerate everybody by solving those, those key components. And if you need identity as a service, uh, head over to Core Dev. You can hit me up at dshaw at core.dev. And uh, you know, I, I'd love to, to work with you and, and your team to you know, make identity logging and, and these other services that you don't want to build problem of the past. Oh my God, those things are such a pain. Right? Uh, cool, we'll put those in the, in the show notes. Perfect, thanks for joining me today. Awesome, David, anytime. All right, folks, that's it for today. I'm David Gutman, and I hope you join me again next time for Junior to Senior. And if you've enjoyed the show and you want to get more involved with like-minded devs focused on their career, head on over to community.juniorto.io.